Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another episode of Akeem's Dream Show. And today we're going to be talking about, wait a second, do you want to learn about how to negotiate yes or yes? It's a pretty simple question. Yes or yes. Okay, I'm going to teach you how to negotiate as if your life depends on it and how to have some fun doing it. Most of you guys need to learn how to negotiate. Most of you guys may not be in business. Some of you guys might. Some of you guys might be in business and still don't know how to go negotiate. Some of you might be in a couple might not know how to negotiate. Some of you might have a five-year-old terrorist kid who's just telling you how it's going to go at nine o'clock at night when they want a cookie and you want them to go to sleep. Okay? We got to get this nailed down because if you don't know how to get a negotiation in your life, you don't know how to win a negotiation. And winning is kind of a weird way of saying it, but if you don't know how to negotiate a negotiation or navigate a negotiation, shit, you're up shit's creek without a paddle, my friend. So we got to get this sorted out. The inspiration from this episode, yes or yes, came from a comedian I love called Tim Dillon. And he is funny, 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 funny guy. He actually uh, would talk about how he would sell subprime mortgages in the New York area during the Wall Street and uh, subprime, uh, what do you call it, subprime default mortgage uh, housing bubble back in 2005, 2006. He was working in Wall Street and he was selling all these subprime mortgages. And he would go to these Wall Street seminars where people, t- uh, where all these brokers were taught how to sell uh, subprime mortgages. And one of these guys hawking on stage would tell him about, okay, if you want to sell a mortgage, how many people in here want to so- sell a mortgage? Everyone put their hand up and he'd go, all right, when you sell a mortgage, do you tell them how it is yes or yes? And Tim would just pick this up. And every time he's talking about a point on his comedy channel, he'll ask a question and he'll go, yes or yes. And that's how I feel that you need to get your negotiations to the point where someone's saying, hey, listen, I have nothing to say but yes to your proposition. That's my goal for you is to make every offer that you propose out there in your life irresistible. Or as the Godfather would say, I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. So, the inspiration for the research in this episode came from a book. Some of you guys need to get your face out of Facebook and get your face into a book, okay? Uh, you got to read to achieve, folks. That's how it works nowadays. Read to achieve and listen to Akeem's Dream Show. But this is a book I got from my buddy Yusuf, who was on the podcast earlier. It's called Never Split the Difference. Chris Voss, negotiating as if your life depended on it. Now, he was a hostage negotiator in New York City. Could you imagine that? Back in the 90s, too, you know, the criminals nowadays, they don't even can't even hold a candle to the ones back then. But coming home to your spouse and being like, hey, baby, how was your day? Oh, you know, just stopped a guy from blowing up a bank and killing five or six hostages. How was yours? <laughs> but uh, no, this is uh, it's, it's a fun it's a fun read. And actually what I do with my books now is when I get a book, I don't just read it and put it down. I actually catalog it and I index all the good information in it. I encourage you to do this. I should actually do a whole podcast on how to read a book because I didn't realize that there's a way to read it and there's a way not to, right? The best way to do it is to create a legend in the back or an index. And every time you find a page with some nugget on it, you write down the page number, the paragraph, you put a little star next to the paragraph. And uh, then anytime you pick up the book in the future, there's probably like only 15 or 20 pages in the book that are worth rereading and you know exactly where to go. So in, in this book, uh, here's a few ones that stand out. How to label, how to take the sting out, what no actually means, 
how to open a phone call, don't negotiate out of fear, why you should share deadlines, empathy versus projection, study all sides, questions in a negotiation. But this is a good book. A lot of the things from that I'm going to walk through in the five steps on how to negotiate come from this book and my own experience. But yeah, highly encourage you guys to check that book out. It's a good one. But let's break this down. Whether you're in a relationship, you have a five-year-old kid, maybe you're doing a big business transaction, maybe you're uh, you know, at the cafe and you're trying to get the milk for free in your latte, who the hell knows? All I know is you got to learn how to negotiate. It's very important. It's a lost skill in society. We're going to go through the five steps, okay? Here are the five steps to negotiating. I'm going to go one through five, and I'm going to break it down, baby, like the Da Vinci Code. Here we go. Step number one is do the groundwork, okay? Step number two is people tactics. Step number three is anchor first before you present the offer. Step number four is ask how and what questions. And step number five is always remember your value. Step number one is do the groundwork, baby. Do the groundwork. If you come unprepared, I'm going to wipe the floor with you. I'm going to hand you your hand. You got to come prepared. Okay? Do the research. Part of this is doing the research. Part of this is assuming the best. Always assume the best intentions. I made a huge mistake early in my sales career when I was in sales. I called this one guy back and I said, because uh, he kind of left me hanging after I had sent him a proposal on a contract. And I was waiting for him to get back to me. I never heard back. And I assumed the worst. It's a huge mistake to make because I called him. I left a voicemail saying, hey, man, what's going on? I thought we had a deal going. And me being unwise and an idiot, not knowing how to negotiate, I didn't understand that he was going through a family crisis. So he left me another voicemail back saying, you're not the kind of guy I'd want to do business with if you're impatient and you don't understand my side of the story. Jeez. If I assumed the best, that wouldn't have happened. And then another part of the groundwork and the research is meeting face-to-face. So important. Doing everything physically, especially during COVID times. Oh, my goodness. Forget negotiating. What about dating? Well, dating is a big negotiation. That's pretty much what dating is. You're not meeting them. You're meeting their representative, as Chris Rock used to say. People tactics. Number two, people tactics. You have to understand people, okay? How to Win Friends and Influence People is one of the most classic books of all time because it breaks down human nature on a psychological level that is so simple to understand, yet it's so important, okay? People's favorite topic is themselves. People, f- people's favorite word is their name. Uh, you get more with honey than you do with vinegar. I mean, this stuff is very, very simple stuff, but it's people skills. But then there's another level to that in negotiation. Now, you might call this manipulation, but I would say you're right. But I would say to what end? Is it manipulation to deceive or to have malicious intent or to have illegal intentions? Then, yeah, 100%. That's wrong. But if you're manipulating for an outcome that is mutually beneficial, why wouldn't you want to do that? So within people tactics, we have three things. We have mirroring, we have labeling, and we have tonality. Mirroring is essentially when you just repeat something back to this person who said it. In the exact same way they did. So normally it's the last three words of their sentence. And then if I just said that, you'd say, Akeem, the last three words of your sentence? And then what is what essentially what mirroring does is it gets the other person to elaborate. It gets them to keep talking. When you're negotiating, you want the other person to talk and talk and talk. Because that's when the more you can get the other person to talk, the better. Because they're they're eventually in that 
talking and talking. They're going to re- reveal what they actually want. They're going to reveal uh, how they feel about something. But they can't do that if they're closed off. So mirroring works really well when you're talking to someone who is shut down, when they're closed off, when they're not really being receptive and they're not really being talkative. They're not really opening up. That's when you start mirroring. Labeling. Now, labeling is when you address or you put a label, like it says, when you identify an emotion or a feeling that you're getting from that person. So let's say that it's tense. Maybe it's a tense negotiation. Maybe it's very, very heated. I want to watch Survivor tonight. Well, that's an argument. What if they're like, you know what? You always watch action movies. I don't feel like I ever get a chance to watch my rom-coms. Baby, I don't know where this relationship is going. You could say, sweetheart. I get the sense that you're kind of feeling a little bit upset, you know, or I get the sense that maybe you, you feel like I'm, I'm not being fair with you. You know, that's, that's your labeling it. So you're just acknowledging there. You're, you're acknowledging an emotion, a feeling that they're having. That's important. It lets them know that you're, they're being heard. Cause if you don't acknowledge it, they'll think that you're just, uh, ramrodding, uh, the situation instead of actually listening to what they have to say. So labeling, label is good. And the third part of people tactics is the tonality, baby, the tonality. My name is Akeem Brown, a.k.a. Reverend Brown, a.k.a. Akeem the Dream, and you're listening to 92.5 Jazz FM, where we play nothing but Frank Sinatra all night long. That's called a late night FM DJ voice. That's a really good voice if you just want to kind of smooth things over, get everyone relaxed, you know, let the music play nice easy drive down the city it's easy that's late night fm dj voice and then you'll have the voice the tonality where it's like get along to go along hey how are you doing where you kind of enunciate at the very end of every sentence hey how you doing george oh not too bad how are you doing this is kind of the small talk language right and then you have the direct short burst hey let's get it done right now what's going on what's your time man enough of this can you have do you have a minute do you have a minute like that's kind of direct right you got to be strategic about your tonality and you got to be aware of how you're coming across with your tonality. Now, if we reverse engineer this, the tonality and the body language are actually superior to whatever you're saying. You could be saying absolute garbage when it comes to the actual content of your words. So you, you could be saying talking at an elementary level and you'll see this in politics a lot. Actually, people in politics, sometimes they're more effective as communicators because they have the right tonality and body language, what they're saying actually almost doesn't even matter, especially in today's age where everyone's on their phone, it's all video. What you say is inferior to how you say it and how you come across. So if your body language is good, that's 50% of the battle. And if you're able to acknowledge other people's body language, like let's somebody say, let's say somebody's shoulder is up and their, their shoulders are up like this, uh, you can't see, but the, if let's say the shoulders are tensed, I would put a label on that. Be like, hey, man, are you, I'm getting the feeling that what we're talking about is kind of tense for you. Because it's obvious it's tense. They're, they can't relax their shoulders, right? Uh, another thing you could do is with the tonality is, um, yeah, pick between one of those three things. Uh, but don't overuse the uh, direct, right? The, the no bullshit one. Don't use that too much. I would say in order of significance, use the late FM DJ voice. 40 or 50% of the time, the get along to go along, I would use that maybe 20 to 30% of the time, maybe even 40%, and then use the direct hardcore uh, to the point kind of voice. I would use that less than 15% of the time. So that's people tactics. You have to understand people. You have to understand how to engage them, how to, how to talk to them. And number three, 
Okay, this is the third step in the negotiation. Anchor first before you present your offer. And then a sub a sub bullet on this would be use odd numbers. So when you are negotiating, you don't want to uh, blow your load, essentially, I guess. You don't want to offer everything you can right up front. And anchoring is really helpful because it helps the other person, helps the other party. Uh, it, it sets the framework for what you actually want by coming in way higher or way more than what you think you'll actually get. So if you think that you're, let's say you're negotiating your salary, for example, if you think you want to get 72 grand a year or you want to get 50 grand a year, you don't come into the interview, you don't come into the negotiation asking for that amount because now you've anchored yourself at what you want and they're going to want to go back, they're going to want to walk you backwards from that. If you want 50 grand a year, you don't ask for 50 grand a year. You ask for 75. That's called an anchor. And you don't just use 75. You use odd numbers. You use numbers that are very specific, no round numbers, because you want to make it look like you actually are, are have done work about what you're asking for. Maybe it's not a number. Maybe it's not a business negotiation. Maybe it's uh, something request like... Maybe it's a request like uh, you want your five-year-old to go to bed at 9.30. You don't ask for 9.30, okay? You ask for 9 o'clock, okay? Be like, hey, I want you to go to bed at 9. And they're going to say, no, I want to stay up a little bit later. Well, you were prepared for that. Now you have some room to work with and we're negotiate backwards. So they want you want them to go to bed at 9.30. You're going to say 9. Work backwards from there. You want a salary that's 50K, you're going to say 75 and work backwards from there. So you anchor them at a higher point or lower, depending on the scenario, than you actually want. Give yourself some runway, as it were. If you're taking off in a plane, you don't want 100 feet. You want 1.5 kilometers or however long a runway is. Okay, so that's anchoring. Number four, ask how and what questions. As soon as you make your proposition, you're going to get into the actual meat and potatoes in negotiations where you're back and forth. You're talking about whatever it is. In most cases, like like uh, people will be thinking about this in a business context. If it's a number and you, you're hung up on a number, get off of numbers, okay? Uh, don't haggle, in other words. Haggling is when you're negotiating on one item of the, of the negotiation or one item of the, of the uh, agreement. So if it's a business negotiation, if it's just a number you're talking about all the time, you're going to end up uh, making it worse for both sides because you guys will have to compromise and you'll end up splitting the difference, which is what you don't want because you're not going to get what you want at the end of the day. You want to actually be able to revert back the terms. And when someone makes you a proposition, you have to ask how and what questions. Never ask why questions. If you're asking somebody why, it's accusatory. Sir, why did you uh, why did you punch that guy in the face? Why did you go into the cookie jar, Akeem? Why were you drinking and driving? Why in every culture, why in every language, the word why has always been associated with guilt. It's always been associated with accusation. If as soon as you're asking the why question, you are accusing that person of false doing, of wrongdoing. Stay away from whys. Ask how and what's 
when things get sticky, whether it's the number or with, whether it's with a proposition, get off the number, get off the proposition and revert back to other things. Revert back to uh, terms, revert back to uh, what else you can offer besides the number, besides the offer. Be, let's say it's a TV channel. Be like, hey, listen, baby, I want you to have nine o'clock, but if, you can't ha- if I can't get uh, 10 o'clock, then maybe I can make you uh, some cake. Maybe I can make you some popcorn. Maybe I can go out and get you that milkshake you want. Add stuff. Talk about something else you can offer. But get off of that subject. Number five. Tip number five is remember your value, okay? Always remember your value. When it comes down to uh, your goal, you have to be steadfast like kids. Kids are steadfast on what they want. If you don't get what you want in the negotiation, you have to be prepared to walk away. Or as Kenny Rogers used to say, you got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. You got to know when to walk away, man. You'll lose if you don't have the power to walk away. One time I was buying a car. I was in the car dealership. My dad says, because uh, back then I didn't know how to negotiate. I was just complete noob. I was a peasant noob. And I'd be in this negotiation with the car guy, and the guy would be like, okay, this is what I were prepared to counter with. And then I'd be like, okay, hold on, I have to call my dad. I'd leave the room, literally leave the room, call my dad and be like, okay, my dad would be like, okay, Akeem, uh, that's not good. I want you to go back in there and tell him this number. And if he says uh, they can't do that, Akeem, I want you to stand up. I know it's going to be hard for you, Akeem, but I want you to stand up, look that guy in the eye, shake his hand and be like, can't do it. Have a nice day. Walk away. The risk of loss is so powerful for humans. If you are willing to actually do without It's why guys and girls, they get all butthurt after relationship because that other person who you had a chemical react, like endorphins were released every, you're in love with this person. They don't want you anymore. That fear of loss, that FOMO, that's what it's called, fear of missing out, that is stronger than anything you could ever offer in a deal. So make sure you are never afraid to walk away. You can't have, you can't want it more than they do. That's what it really all comes down to. And then be empathetic, right? understand their side of the situation, really understand where they're coming from. And that comes from listening. So I can say all this stuff, but if you don't listen at the end of the day, it's not going to work out. So you have to be able to remember to listen. And with that being said, say la vie. I hope you're able to get the TV channel you want. I hope you're able to get your five-year-old to bed on time. I hope you get the car, the price at the, the, the car at the price you want. I hope you, all your dreams come true, baby, because I'm a keen the dream. That's why I make it do what it does. All right, until next time, I hope you have a good day. All right, peace.